Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live every day. Every day from sunny Southern California. Welcome in. Welcome. Welcome in. Man, we got a lot of things to talk about today. Huh? I mean, we got Russell Russell Westbrook finally talking about his perspective, how he felt about not playing in the at the end of the fourth quarter in a Lakers loss the other night, Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman saying more about the Cowboys losing. Antonio Brown commenting on his own mental health issues. Whew. We'll take it to Ben Volan from the Boston Globe. He covers the entire league. Rich Ornberg, who of course played in the league. Dante Hitner Whitner, a former Niner and former Bill, who will get us ready for this weekend's game, which really is what This show has to be about, by the way, this show, the Doug Gottlieb show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Look, there there are games where you sit there and go, okay, this one's going to be like, I think the Rams taking on the Buccaneers is a great football game, right? The, The NFC has two Titanic matchups. The AFC has one and another one, which is interesting and gonna, and and two completely different styles. But like, if you if you looked at the ratings last week, and I don't think ratings always tell the tale for what the better game is or what the better storyline is. A lot of times, it has to do with the logo on the side of the helmet more than anything else. The Cowboys always rate. The Niners always rate. It was a Sunday afternoon game. It was on a weekend filled with three straight days of football. It was perfection. But it it was an interesting game. It was a close game. It did have a crazy ending. You had a former Cowboys quarterback in the booth. It, it, It was kind of perfection. I feel like Packers Niners is that same type of game, albeit on a Saturday this week. Right, you have two young, dynamic, and fairly similar in terms of uh, their coaching styles and upbringing. Offensive coaches, Kyle Shanahan, more experience than Matt Lafleur. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, who all he wants to do is find somebody that loves him, and you got Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't love all the 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 team that loves him. You have the questions about whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo will make the big mistake and the questions about whether or not the Green Bay Packers can stop the vaunting running game and style of the San Francisco 49ers. That's the game. It doesn't mean that Tampa and the and the Rams don't have a lot of sex appeal. It doesn't mean that the Bills and the Chiefs couldn't be the de facto AFC championship game and you have two elite, elite quarterbacks, arguably the best home field in the NFL in Kansas City. Green Bay is obviously right there. And then, of course, Tennessee, like the forgotten team against the Bengals, who might be the most fun team to watch. But so many things will 
pivot or change or evolve based upon the outcome of this game. Not necessarily the play of the game, the outcome of the game. If the Niners win, it does feel like an easier uh, exit for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, man, I've done all I can do. We couldn't get back. We just can't beat those 49ers. And it would probably chap him even more because, of course, he always wanted to be a Niner. Being from Northern California, they passed on him in in the draft, and he's tried to make him pay every time since. Plus, you know, Kyle Shanahan would continue kind of a deity sort of status with his ability to win playoff games, get this thing together at the right moment. And if you can beat the Packers, how hard is it then to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo if you've beaten the Cowboys on the road and the Packers on the road on the path to an NFC championship game and maybe a Super Bowl? Now, if Aaron Rodgers takes down the Niners, it does feel like hey, now it becomes easier to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo... Didn't play well down the stretch. Kyle Shanahan seems shaky with his play calling down the stretch. And they feel forever limited by Garoppolo. You have the next guy in the fold. You've spent all those draft picks. And now you go, go about the, pros, the prospects of, of changing quarterbacks. And if, of course, the Packers win, now they're back in the NFC Championship game. They'll be back playing at home, maybe against the Rams, who they beat last year, or against the the Buccaneers who they lost to last year in this very same spot. Like there's a there's a lot out of outcomes. And look, I'm not I understand like so many of you like how I watch sports and how I cover sports. I'm not one of these guys that that thinks somebody won because they wanted it more. You know? I do think confidence plays a factor. I think injuries plays a factor. I think schematics plays a factor, and I think there are plays like things that go bump in the night. There's a play here, a play there that truthfully decides the outcome of the game. Like last year, Packers, we get all wrapped up in the decision at the end of the game for Matt LaFleur to kick the field goal instead of go for it on fourth down, right? We've forgotten, of course, that Aaron Rodgers chose not to run on the, the, the first, first two downs when it looked like he could have run and gotten close. And we, of course, forget the fact that at the end, that not only was Brady bad in the second half, Brady picked off three times in the second half last year, but that the Packers gave up an incredible read and throw by, by Brady, but at the end of the first half, you can't give up a touchdown there. If you want to know why, Packers probably would have changed defensive coordinators, but if you want to know why they completely revamped their defensive staff and style, that play was the reason why. That's, that's how much plays matter. These games matter. And we haven't had, we haven't really had the storybook that I think sports, well, our fans would think we, we, we deserve, right? We, we had, we did have Brady versus Mahomes last year, but to have Brady versus, um, Brady versus Rodgers again, and then Rodgers versus Mahomes in the Super Bowl, or Rodgers versus Josh Allen in the Super Bowl, but Rodgers versus Mahomes in the Super Bowl, would be amazing. We never had LeBron and Kobe in the same finals at the same time. We did have, we had Dan Marino and Joe Montana once. Once. No? So there's a lot that goes into this this stuff, and there's a lot of breakdowns and interesting um, anecdotes. And look, Tennessee's sitting out there. I think they're as well coached, or maybe even better coached than anybody. 
They're completely and totally capable of not only beating the Bengals, but beating either of the other two teams. And the Bengals do have elite scoring and have shown to be able to compete against the best teams in the league. But it's hard to sit there and watch that game. Think about that game and measure it up with any of the three others. And then as good as Beng- as good as Bills Chiefs is, as good, which you have two young gunslinging quarterbacks and one guy who's been to three straight AFC championship games and two straight Super Bowls in a Pat Mahomes. As good as Tom Brady at 44 going against uh, Matt Stafford, who has never been to this point in the playoffs, a Rams team built for this moment, but they're not going to have their left tackle. Like as good as those games are, Niners-Packers, you have the tie between Rodgers and the Niners. You have the fact that whichever quarterback loses could be likely playing their last game, at least Garoppolo, last game wearing that uniform. You have the history of the Niners, the history of the Packers, a game in Lambeau Field. You have Shanahan versus LaFleur. You have Garoppolo versus Rodgers. Oh, by the way, here's um, Richard Sherman, who, of course, plays for the Niners. Talking about, uh, or played for the Niners, talking about his former teammate. I think he should be the starter again. People forget that Aaron didn't start his first year, he didn't start his second year. They're so ready to rush him in there, and they're rushing him in there with expectation. And that's the hardest thing to do. You know, it, it's because everybody's like, oh, look what Josh Allen did. And it's like, oh, Josh Allen's first couple years weren't, he wasn't this Josh Allen. And then it's like, Pat, look at Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, yeah, but Patrick Mahone had his growing pains as well, and, and it's cool that what he's doing, but you, if you send him in with those expectations, you have nothing but disappointment. Here's Aaron Rodgers talking about how success is measured for quarterbacks. Success is often based, you know, for quarterbacks on championships won a lot of times. I think success individually is much more than that. But I understand that in our business, so much of it is focused on the wins and losses, especially in the playoffs, Super Bowl rings and all that stuff. I understand that's part of uh, my legacy I'll be judged on when I'm done playing. That's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers basically saying, like, look, I'm not. And and it's true. Like, you're not any worse a quarterback because you lose the game. But look, ultimately, he's got home field advantage for a second straight year. He's got his healthiest team he's maybe ever had at this point in the playoffs. I, they, they lose to the, the Seahawks. He's got the torn calf. They have a very, very trimmed down game plan. They still have the game won before a couple things go bump in the night and they don't recover an onside kick and somehow Russell Wilson beats him. Remember that year? They lose to Atlanta that year that Atlanta goes to the Super Bowl and had the 28-3 lead and, and they had backup upon backup. They had two guys off the street playing cornerback against Julio Jones and the red-hot Atlanta Falcons, and they're on the road. They go into San Francisco two years ago and just get annihilated because they can't stop the run, and Aaron Rodgers hardly has the football. He's been to this spot plenty of times. But now he has, and I know we're not in the NFC Championship game, a loaded roster, a talented running game, his best offensive lineman is back. We don't know how well he'll play. Hadn't played, mo- you know, had, hadn't really played all year, but he's got, there's no, there's no, hey, he doesn't have the dudes. He's got plenty of dudes. It's totally fair to say that there are, have been games in which injuries, mistakes by others, 
other things have caused him to lose other chances at a Super Bowl. This doesn't feel like one of those years so far. God, I'm excited for that football game. I am excited for that football game. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Real credit card questions require real people. Someone who understands your issues works with you to resolve them. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover exceptionally common sense. Um, I want to turn to college basketball for a second because a former NBA superstar is back in his hometown coaching his alma mater. And he said something last night which is receiving mixed reviews. Get to what that is upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. Hope you are... Uh, not only having a good day, but you're enjoying a little Tom Petty. I think that's an interesting bumper song there. Iowa Sam in for Ramos. Kind of got me mellow there. Like, I, I feel like when it's like a football weekend, we need some ACDC, right? We need some, uh, we need, we need some little, little pop. Oh, we'll, little we'll mix pop. it up. We'll get it. Okay. We'll get a bump I'll, in I'll, here. I'll, 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 I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Um, speaking of pop. So, um, Penny Hardaway uh, played at Memphis back when it was Memphis State. Um, I don't have to get into all the things about Penny. I, I've I gotten a chance to know Penny a little bit, and really, I really enjoy him as a guy. And I think what's fascinating about Penny Hardaway is that, um, obviously he took over a job. I, I felt like the way Josh Pastner was treated, the way Tubby Smith was treated, I just. Memphis is a place that loves basketball, loves their local product, but it is a very, it's a difficult place. And I mean, look, replacing what John Calipari had going is a hard thing to do. Like there's a reason. And I I got a chance. I watched, I called the Kentucky Texas A&M game for Compass Radio. It's a national uh, radio. They do just games. And so I was there. What night is tonight? God, I'm so lost on my days. Is, is it, we're Friday, right? We've gotten to Friday. So I guess Wednesday night I did the game in College Station, and everybody was so nice in College Station. Um, um, but like your courtside and, the, and where we get set up for that game is right next to the Kentucky bench. Literally right. So I can hear everything Cal is doing. I can watch him. I can see him. And I, I'm going to say something that probably doesn't. He's made mistakes when they lost to uh, UConn, the national championship game. I, I thought there was, I think it was, was it UConn? Was it Wisconsin? I'm trying to think. They've lost games where he's kind of miscalculated some time when to foul. I think it was the UConn game, when to foul. But, I mean, that can happen to anybody. Those, if you, you have to sit there on the sideline and watch all the things going on and the decisions to made, and you start to understand that there's a reason Look, there's a reason that he wins. And and I understand the idea is, well, he gets the best players. When he was at, for example, Memphis, yeah, he had Derrick Rose that went to the National Championship game, and they had a nine-point lead with two minutes to go, and they should have won that game. Um, free throw shooting and, and, frankly, a little bit of luck. And I, Bill Self's pretty damn good, too. They end up forcing overtime and losing the game. But that wasn't 
he didn't have he had one guy who was a former future MVP of the NBA, but the rest of the team were fledgling, barely playing the NBA sort of guys. It speaks to the fact that guys are really good coach, really, really good. And there's a reason he's in the Hall of Fame. There's a reason that UMass hasn't been able to come close to what he was able to do since he left. Memphis hasn't been able to come close to what he did since he left. So it's hard. It builds these unrealistic expectations. So Penny Hardaway's come in, take over the program that he once played for. And this year has been difficult. Now, part of it is he has um, a very well-regarded recruiting class, including a kid named Amani Bates, who reclassified. Okay, reclassified means you could have been a senior in high school and instead you decided to go to college. Now, some kids who do this, who reclassify, they're still really of college age, you know? And so even though they reclassify, they're the normal age of a freshman. Amani Bates is not, okay? He just, wait, wait for it. I believe he's he's just 17. He turns 18 at the end of the month. So he's really, really young. And what's changed the trend in college basketball is the expression is get old and stay old. So last night they took on SMU. Larry Brown helped build this program. Larry Brown's actually now on Penny Hardaway's staff. And they lost to SMU at home. SMU starts all seniors. One of which is 24 years old. SMU's not great. Memphis is mercurial. They're generally a much younger team. Here's Penny after the game. I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me we don't have our full roster y'all know we don't have our full roster stop asking me stupid questions about if i feel like i can do something if i had my roster like they did then i feel like i can do whatever i want to do i'm coaching really hard my boys are playing really hard i'm not embarrassed about nothing we have four freshmen starting y'all need to act like it act like we got 17 18 and 19 year olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22 23 and 24 year old guys come on man stop disrespecting me bro like don't do that i work too hard i work way too hard for that y'all write all these articles about me and all i do is work we got young kids on the floor they got young kids on the floor okay so uh, you know part of it obviously is first writing articles does that mean does penny read the paper who reads the paper? Penny Hardaway reads the paper. No, I'm sure it's 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 online. Now, what you have to understand is I'm sure he's feeling the pressure of Memphis. Like Memphis is it it's just, it's a different big city that cares about college basketball unlike anything you've ever seen. It really is. Philadelphia loves college basketball, but there's not one program that they hyper focus on the way that Memphis does as a city. I, I could go around the country and I would say that Memphis for a big city, their college basketball program matters more to them. One program than any other big city in the country. And he's reacting more to the local media. I, let me ask Dan Byer, how does that quote hit? How does that response hit you? Well, I, you know, in saying this, I haven't followed a ton of Memphis sure, hoops, totally uh, you know, this season. However, I do know that there are expectations uh, with it, and a lot of times when you have expectations, you don't, uh, you aren't allowed to have excuses. And so um, that's where you know, like 
every team has to go through their own stuff, whether it be injury, whether it be COVID, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it's also a program that probably hasn't, you know, what they haven't made, what is this, his second or third year with the program, hasn't made the yeah. NCAA tournament. So, yeah, like, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I hate to say it, but it's about time. And so then when he fights back, I think it actually magnifies maybe the problems that they've had there. If, if problems is the right word, the difficulties may be the better word that they've had there. I look, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna. There's, a, there's a lot to. It's like a whole loaded, maybe more of a podcast sort of explanation, you know. But like, there's so many different things going on in college basketball. The big thing is between transfers and super seniors, you're gonna have these teams that they have grown men, and we've always had it before. You know, like, look, when I was at Oklahoma State, my senior year, I was 24. Hey, we had, I think, Brian Montanati, my, our starting power forward, he was 23. Everybody else was 22. Our youngest player was that actually played was Fred Yonsin, who's a sophomore, and he was 20 or 21. Like, we had old dudes. And when you're older, your bodies are more developed, your games, your mind, you've played a lot. It's... And, when, and if you want to say, like, hey, John Calipari won at Kentucky or maybe won at Memphis with, with freshmen, with younger players, you're right. But, but college basketball has changed. Changed, right? John Calipari did not win with a freshman who was the age of a high school senior. That when he had a kid reclass, it didn't work. Devin Askew, last year, his point guard was a reclass from modern day. It didn't work. Now he's at Texas. So it's, it's the age thing is real. Could, could Penny have not, could, could Penny have handled it better? Like, yeah. Right. Just go like, listen, I still have great energy for this. We're going to figure this thing out. We've got a younger team. You know, I saw some really, really good things. Um, but but I don't think this is a pushback against everybody in the media or media in general. I think it's generally look if you're if you're covering Memphis for a Memphis publication, you should understand this better than anybody else. All the things that are taking place, you know, all the things that are taking place, and he doesn't have DeAndre Williams who is a senior, and now he's throwing out a bunch of kids, and they got beat. So I, I think what he's asking for is what I try to do is just be fair and give honest context. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21, President of Colorado, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Uh, gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. Hard Hitner, Dante Whitner joins us, former Pro Bowl safety with the Niners and the Bills. You can see his analysis on NBC Sports Bay Area. Dante, I want to take me back to the Niners-Cowboys game. Troy Aikman has come out and said, like, like, why why did you just not throw the ball to C.D. Lamb 10 times in the first half as they're playing off coverage? Too much schemes, too many, you know, the expression, you know, it's players, not plays. They're running too many plays. As a guy who knows what the Niners are doing and breaks it down for a living, is Troy Aikman right? No, he's not right. They played a lot of cover, too. They played some trap coverage where there was some indecision that they put in the mind of Dak Prescott. So a lot of times you can't just raise up and throw it out there. Um, you know. But the 49ers, they did align it to some coverages that Aaron Rodgers took advantage of. So um, there's always an opportunity to just throw it out there. But when the 49ers are combating that with a safety over the top, it doesn't give you the opportunity. How surprised were you at 
at the Cowboys' last play? Uh, I wasn't surprised at all. I figured that the Cowboys would figure out a way to, to mess the game up. But a lot of people <laughs> are talking about that that final that final play and that final drive. But the 49ers could have put that game away a lot earlier than they did. Having yeah. to settle for field goals in the red zone, they were doing whatever they wanted to do in the running game. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo did have the unfortunate turnover, but the 49ers offense was moving up and down the field. So, yeah, they can talk about that last play. Um, you know, but the but but the 49ers got it done when they had to. All right, let's get to this weekend. Um, look, we've seen this before. I know they played earlier this year, but it's a different Niners team. First thing is Bosa. What, what do you, what's the likelihood he plays? You think? I think that the likelihood is 100. percent I think he practiced yesterday. Um, he hasn't technically been cleared from the concussion protocol, but it looks like Bosa will be ready to go. And it's going to be everybody. It's going to be that defensive line, but. You know, it's not just the defensive line, Doug. It's the, the, the coverage. It's the nickelback moving inside, outside. It's the safeties not getting caught into, okay, we know we're going to play cover two, so pre-snap, let's show cover three. You don't think that Aaron Rodgers see that on film. So you have to break your own tendencies to beat the top-tier quarterbacks. And what it's going to take is deception and exceptional acting abilities from everybody on defense. It's going to take that one person each and every play – in between the snaps, saying, hey, he's not going to snap the ball to three to seven seconds on the play clock. How about we be good actors? How about we be poised in what we do? Okay, he's looking at everybody's leverage. He's looking at everybody's body mannerisms. He's looking to see if the corners are within four yards or they're nine yards. He's looking to see the depth and the width perception of the safety. So it's about making him read the defense post-snap. If you can just make Aaron Rodgers read the defense post-snap, you give yourself a better opportunity to allow the defensive line to get home. He can't just throw the ball into a bubble that he sees pre-snap is going to be open, and you make him work. And anything can happen when you do that. Of course, he's Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP of the league. He's going to figure it out. But the only thing you can do is make it tough on him and give your defense the best opportunity to have success. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um... Okay, so what about Garoppolo? You mentioned the unfortunate interception. It's, I mean, it's the, it's like we can, it's almost like sunrise in the east and sets in the west. And Jimmy will throw two or three balls where you hold your breath, and usually one is intercepted. How do you manage that if if you're Kyle? And that's what we've been saying all season. That's what I see when I watch film. That's what the fans see. That's what the data shows. Jimmy Garoppolo has a four point six percent turnover worthy play. Right now, Aaron Rodgers has 2%. If he can just cut that out of his games, the 49ers' offense can reach heights that they've never seen before. So that's what it is. They've simplified the packages for Jimmy. He knows how to operate it. He can get it out in the screen game. He's good with the play fakes and the RPO games. But it's about making the proper decision in the moment. And it's okay to just check the ball down. It's okay to just throw it away. But don't turn the football over, and they win a lot of games. So... It's going to primarily be the running game, the RPO game, and it might be one of those games where the 49ers are going to say, hey, Jimmy, you might get 10 to 12 throws. We're going to run it 50 times, and we're going to take advantage of the weak run defense of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, who do you think wins? I think the 49ers win. I don't think it's going to be close, Doug, and I have uh, you know some information to back up my thesis here. The first game, the 49ers gave up so many plays in the first quarter, not even the first half or the entire game. They gave up 142 yards. A lot of it was by uh, pass interference. 
And, you know, even with the looks that they gave Aaron Rodgers, they were too simple. There was too many times they had man lined up across the board. They thought they were going to confuse him. Oh, he would never think that Tart is on Devontae Adams on the backside. He would never think they would put a corner on the running back on the outside. So this must be cover three. No, Aaron Rodgers knows. The nickelback is inside leverage. Safety in the middle of the field. Let's just chunk it up to the outside. And they can just walk down into some of those coverages. I think they have a different outcome in this game. Okay, let's fast forward to the end of that game. Yeah, they left 37 seconds on the clock, zero timeouts. They made it too easy. Okay, you go cover two. You get the backside underneath defender who's supposed to be 15 yards on the hash, breaking on the throw to even have a collision with Adams coming over the middle or to even pick the ball off. He chases the running back to the flat. Now you have a corner and a backside defender in cover two playing the flat. It's an open area. Fred Warner got froze at five yards. Fred, they have to get the ball downfield. How about you align at 10 yards deep? And you get back into the area where they're going to throw the ball to Devontae Adams coming over the middle. Okay, not that play. Let's go to the last one before the field goal. They have cover five, and cover five is man underneath, okay. inside leverage, trail technique, reading the inside hip of the receiver, two safeties high over the top. At this point, you want Aaron Rodgers to see man coverage, take off, run the ball, the clock runs out. Right? You don't expect him to run for 20, 25 yards. Well, they had two rookies to the left side. They had Diamador Lenore, who was his third game in the NFL, and you had Hufunga, who's the safety. Instead of being inside leverage playing man-to-man on Devontae Adams using the safety help, he plays off at nine yards like he was lost. So if you have a veteran corner in that position, the 49ers win that game. So it went back and forth, back and forth. So I think that's enough information to figure out that the 49ers just play a little bit better on defense, don't turn the ball over, They'll be an NFC championship. If they were to ask you, Dante, we got Trey Lance for next year. We got Garoppolo for another year and, and let and let Trey sit and learn. And as you said, like, look, we're all we're all aware over four turnover worthy plays a game, nearly five turnover worthy plays a game. You're like, look, just cut that down. But at some point, like he is kind of what he is. And he was hurt a little bit this year, which of course has been the biggest issue for Jimmy G outside of the turnovers. If they're to ask you, do you get rid of Jimmy and go with Trey, or do you ride this thing out? What would you do? I think you stay with Trey. Um, there's always that old saying, you don't give up some for sure for something that you don't know about. So Jimmy Garoppolo is winning, 32-15, and 2-1 um, and one in the playoffs, took the team to the Super Bowl. Right now he has a chance to go back to the NFC Championship. He operates this offense with great efficiency. Um, he knows the checks. He's really good with the cadence now. He's getting better and better at that. And he hasn't been starting for a decade. Jimmy has had a few years. He's dealt with a lot of injuries, but he's consistently getting better. And you have Trey Lance locked up under contract. You have Jimmy Garoppolo, and he showed that he can win. His teammates respect him. His coaching staff respect him. Just cut that turnover-worthy play percentage down to about two, and the 49ers have what they need, the formula to win games. And they play it like no other team in the league. And they remind me of the 49ers for Jim Harbaugh during his era. There was no other team other than the Seattle Seahawks that really played the type of brand of football physicality that we played. And there's no other team in the league except for the Buffalo Bills that give me that same type of identity. So I'm thinking that the 49ers, Buffalo Bills, end up in the Super Bowl, and absolutely they should keep Jimmy Garoppolo and allow Trey Lance to learn. And then I have some packages for him next year. Well, I, I mean, to only push back on this, you mentioned when you were there and, and Harbaugh was there, they mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't his fault 
that uh, Alex Smith's fault against the Saints, right? He had two fumbles in special teams in the NFC Championship game. But there was the feeling that Alex Smith, you're bumping up against his ceiling and you brought in Kaepernick and Kaepernick took him to a Super Bowl, right? Same thing when Alex yeah. Smith was, was, and I know that Alex Smith is the opposite of Garoppolo, super, super conservative. But the idea is like, we've seen Alex Smith enough. We know the limitations. The young guy gives us something. The other one doesn't. It worked in San Francisco. It worked in Kansas City. It, is that a is that a, a fair pushback against the idea of sticking with Jimmy G? I don't think that it's always a cookie cutter model, and people want this, you know, throw the ball over your head, Aaron Rodgers style quarterback. How many of those guys are in the league? I think that it's all about winning, and when it comes down to winning, they'll take it any way it comes. They've shown it. Eight throws versus Green Bay in the playoffs in the NFC Championship. I think that. You know, when it comes down to winning, that's all that really matters. And we shouldn't really put too much on the quarterback statistics if he gets it done in the W column. So I think that if they beat the Green Bay Packers, and that would be that they beat the L.A. Rams, yep. they beat the Dallas Cowboys, yep. the Green Bay Packers, yep. why wouldn't Jimmy Garoppolo return to this team and be a quarterback next season? What else do you want him to accomplish? It's a great question. It's a great question. Dante, you're the best, man. Thanks for your analysis. Can't wait to see the game. Talk to you next week. Appreciate you being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. All right. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. Do, I, do we have to – do I owe him for a master class? Is, that, is there a bill on that? Is, that? is that one of those master class things that, like, like, you know, they're in cover five. Here's what cover five is. And then here's the play. It's amazing. Amazing when somebody really, really knows what the heck they're talking about. You need to hear what Brady Quinn and Kyle Shanahan – Excuse me. You need to hear what Brady Quinn said about Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. We'll get to that upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever Get your podcast from. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports, the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Let's find out what the Fox said. And now. <laughs> Every day we bring back something or a couple of somethings we we heard early on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn is part of our new morning show, Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. He said this about Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. People don't understand the brilliance of Kyle Shanahan and and the respect that people have for him in the league as far as a play caller. A, because it is harder to execute and call run plays and then have them blocked perfectly or be as productive as they always are under Kyle Shanahan. It, It just it takes more time. I mean, think about, for example, any given pass play. You got five eligible receivers. You only need one of them to actually run the right route at the right depth and be in the right spot. The other four can mess it up. And and you could still complete the football, and it's a successful play. In a run play, that's not necessarily the case. 
I mean, you could have a miss at any point in time up front that could ruin that play. Missteps between the quarterback running back or even blocking a secondary defender downfield or forced defender. So that's why, you know, he grew up, obviously, with his dad coaching, drawing up cards for scout teams and understanding that if the offense lined up in this personnel a certain way, the defense is going to line up this certain way. Yeah. And so that's why he's so good at then saying, how do I neutralize Micah Parsons? How do I neutralize Devondre Campbell? And as long as we execute, we'll be able to run the football successfully. Yeah. That's why I think a lot of people feel like San Francisco could hang around in this, in this game. Uh, look, I, I think he's an outstanding coach. I, 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 this is the show that, and obviously Dan Beyer can attest to it. Jason Stewart can attest to it because they work on the show every day. This is the one show that's been in on the Niners, even when they were average because they were banged up. This is the show that, that when people are like, well, maybe Kyle Shannon, look at his overall record. And I'm like, do you have any idea? Nobody's record is going to be good when you lose your starting quarterback. And they didn't have one. And when they got one, they were good. And when he got hurt, they were not good. So this is the show that had his back. Not for any other reason than he's really good. But, you know, there's a whole other coaching staff on the other side. Like, we do this as if there's only, we, we do this constantly. If I, I, it's a mistake that I would say I made getting ready for the national championship game. Well, you give Nick Saban, you know, you prepare and look at Nick Saban's record against his assistants. And, yeah, the Packers run a similar system. The Packers, while the guy may not have had the upbringing of a Kyle Shanahan has been pretty damn good. And you got a savant actually playing the position at quarterback as opposed to Garoppolo, who doesn't seem to have that stuff to make the big right decisions down the stretch. He's not wrong, but he's not wrong. Kyle Shanahan is really well-respected. That's why so many Kyle Shanahan clones are getting coaching jobs. But one of those clones has a great record at home field advantage and a better quarterback this upcoming Sunday. Um, Dan Patrick said this about Matthew Stafford. I guess you could say Matthew Stafford, if, if, if he wins a Super Bowl, he's going to the Hall of Fame, right? And, you know, we never have, we're never critical of Matthew Stafford the way we've been, if, if he were, were to do that. Um, you know, we waited for Clayton Kershaw, his good buddy, to win a World Series. Now it feels like we've moved on from Clayton Kershaw, can he win the big game? So Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford is going to be a Hall of Famer because that's where you have a career cleanup. That's where you just come in and you go, we forget about all the other stuff. And all he has to do is ask his good buddy, Clayton Kershaw, because when Kershaw and the Dodgers won the World Series and he pitched well, now we don't talk about that anymore. Remember, that was, man, best pitcher of your generation, but you don't have any World Series uh, titles. All that is fair and true, except for the fact that no one ever thought that I, at least I don't think anybody believed that he was the Matt Stafford was the best quarterback in football. Just hadn't won the playoffs. Hadn't won a playoff game. So I actually disagree with Dan. We'll get to that upcoming. That's next on the Doug Gottlieb show, Fox sports radio. 